This is Twa Teams One Street from the Evening Telegraph, the only podcast as obsessed with Dundee and Dundee United as you are. This week, Big Dunk takes a chunk, but United aren't sunk. And McCowan's magic motivates D. Hello and welcome to this week's edition of Twa Teams One Street. I'm Tom Duthie and podcasting alongside me this week are Alan Temple. Good morning. Graham Finnan. Hello everyone. And not George Cran. George can't be here this week for personal reasons. (laughs) Sounds like he's going to be on the front of a red top tomorrow, eh? But no, it's something mundane. It's workies or something like that. So we shall shall plough on without... He's got the workies in. Mm -hmm. I was thinking we could... Providing the uh, experience, uh, the Dundee knowledge this week, in fact, why not have Megan, our producer? (laughs) I was thinking, you never speak. Doesn't have a microphone. She's shaking her head. She doesn't. She won't speak. No. She just sits there with a look of contempt on her face. I, li- I like the fact that she, poor woman doesn't have a microphone, but we're criticising her not well, speaking. I, she's the producer. She could have a microphone <laughs> if she wants. It's not our fault. She's going to put in comedy sound some, effects. It's not some misogynist thing that's going to be <laughs> brought up in a in a public inquiry. She's in control. If she wants a microphone, she can have a microphone. And she's not going to speak. No. So we'll it's just plow on. It's not happening. We'll plow on with <laughs> United first. Uh, Big dunk last Saturday, Alan. Came away with Tana, from Tanadice with a point. Yes, someone who does have plenty to say. He, um, uh, what is, a change in the laddie is, since his last time at Tanadice 30 years ago. More to the he point. What didn't a, say much. What a, good, uh, what a good side he put out. Um, I know there's been a little bit of... Uh, sniffiness from some United fans perhaps in terms of there's a, an element of recency bias when you watch a football match you know you remember how the last 20 minutes went or whatever and yeah. and and you know they did to an extent park the bus in the closing stages when it became apparent that they could leave with a point but I would say see for the first 50 minutes or so that's the best uh, a visiting championship side has played at Tanadice they were really good really tidy um Played some uh, lovely football uh, on the break in midfield. Max Anderson was excellent. Um, Cameron Harper, who I really like, was good at left back. Nathan Shaw was terrific. And Billy McKay dropping deep, finding loads of wee clever wee gaps. Billy McKay's always... United never got the best of him when he was on loan there, but he's a clever, clever player. It's lovely watching players like that, Ah. isn't it? See, when you see the little pockets they drift into, and he was just when you, you're kind of not paying attention to them and then they'll pop up somewhere and you go, Christ, but, you know, I thought you were playing up front. Inver- that kind of- Inverness is Griezmann. <laughs> well, let's not go mad. Uh, uh, you're kind of... <laughs> <laughs> that ship's long sail. You're getting carried away. <laughs> you're, um, you're workshopping t- podcast titles, aren't you? Uh, what will get traction on Twitter? Uh, no, it's... So... In that regard, I thought Inverness were good, and I would like to kind oh, of... Wait a minute here. Your own <laughs> only idea to get a reaction was to turn your coffee cup logo <laughs> logo facing the screen try to get a free cup of coffee from, uh, from Coffee & Co. Reform Street, Dundee. <laughs> Give us free coffee for that! Uh, yeah. Uh, wait a minute, I need to make clear there are other coffee outlets in Dundee. Uh, bear, bear, bear was there, so uh, I always drink it Range Rover and Rolls Royce. <laughs> So uh, I forget the point I was making. I, I think the point I was I'm making. Billy Mackay. The point I was making was rather than kind of as we can sometimes do, focus on uh, Dundee United's failings. I thought Inverness were good um, and, and deserve plenty of credit. And Duncan Ferguson deserves plenty of credit for putting out a side that that did its job very capably. But fundamentally, after they took the lead, United do what United have tended to do this season. They've shown a bit of quality, shown a bit of spirit. Uh, they got a point, and as we've said many times on this podcast, there will be games like that. Um, it's interesting that the games like that are more often than not happening at Tannadice rather than yeah. away from home. But um, it's a game that they escaped from with a point and you take it, you dust it off, you say it's been a fairly concerted period of quite a few games in a, in a, mm-hmm. in a short period of time and United have emerged relatively unscathed from it. You, the fact that Wraith Rovers also drew, you either take the positive from that or you say, ah, that could have been six points rather than um, rather than just four. But uh, I think all things considered... What do you do there if you're Jim Goodwin? Do, if, it's, if it's me, I think I'm going to my players. 
you're frustrated, but Wraith are more fr- frustrated because they've missed a rare opportunity. Yeah, perhaps. I think he was frustrated by the nature of the result, but very, very circumspect in terms of you can't possibly expect to win every single match. It's just not going to happen. Mm-hmm. It's not mm-hmm. FIFA or Football Manager, despite the fact United have the best squad in the division. They're not just going to win every week. There'll be games that are frustrating, that, that finish in draws. They'll lose one or two as well. Um, so I think you just take it um, as one on the chin. There's some positives to be taken from it and, and you move on. Um, so, yeah, I kind of... Yes, it's one of those games that you leave not feeling particularly elated, but not feeling particularly down. It's just a kind of meh, and you move on to the next one, I guess. Bear, pushing aside the fact that Alan's depressed me by revealing <laughs> people win every game at FIFA and football manager. Yeah. Am I a failure in every form yeah. of the game? <laughs> and just because he's got that United connection, two things, two things you look at a young manager that maybe gives you a wee hint about he might succeed as Alan's pointed out with 20 minutes to go big dunk's gone we'll take the point a lot of young managers when their teams played very well in a game might get a bit reckless the other thing that strikes me and it's a bit of bias here he has made a good appointment he's number two and another former United favourite in Gary Bowen it's good to have a man with his knowledge of football and the Scottish game Absolutely, I didn't realise Gary was there until I saw a picture of him at the, at the game on, on Saturday. Um, yeah, Not smiling, I take it. No, he's a much serious chap than yeah. that face like thunder suggests, I should add. Yeah, he always seems to get pictured and, and, and looking pretty stern, but yeah, he'll do a good job up there. And from an Inverness perspective, I mean, although Duncan's a relatively young manager, he's incredibly experienced. He's been, you know, his, his time served at, at Everton, and obviously. The time at Forest Green, although it didn't go as well as he would have hoped, you'll have gained from that experience as well. And you know, well, I mean, he's iced at another side of management, eh? yeah, dealing, dealing uh, with directors. absolutely. And when your team, although <laughs> I, I do fully expect Inverness, and I mentioned this in the past, I, I believe they've got they're, they're punching below their weight. Although we're starting to see the signs of recovery there since since Duncan's come in, and I do believe they've got players. Certainly, you know. They have the realistic chance to, to push themselves up well within a, 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 the playoff slots, and you know there's there's no doubt about that. So yeah, he would he would have seen that. You know, there comes there comes a point in the game where you go, well, it doesn't look like we're going to win the game, but let's make sure we don't lose it. And they did that, and and you know, fair fair play to them, and they do have good players. I'm, from a, obviously as a Dundee fan, I'd like to hear that Max Anderson is doing well. I think he Thanks. certainly a player that can can operate at yeah. that at that level and higher. You know, so that, that's good news from Dundee FC's point of view. But uh, this is about United, and you know, Alan, Alan said, you know, they've, they've shown drive and determination, and also also showed that they're human. You know, you're not going to win every single no. game, Tom, in this league. It's just not going to happen. I think, and I read. Uh, Jim Goodwin's quotes at the end, and he was absolutely bang on. It was a good point for for Dundee United. When you're down in a game, one nil to get a point out of the game it is good, you know. And, and where they are in the championship, just keep the points ticking over, keep the points, you know, uh, clocking up, and, and it makes life extremely difficult for those who are are chasing you to, to close the gap. And as we've seen, Wraith Rovers dropped a point, but maybe that yeah. we shouldn't be so surprised that it's a tough, tough league. Well, that's what I say. My my loudmouth prediction of it <laughs> over in October yeah. for United, and I, and I stand by that. But it was always with the proviso that individual games would still be difficult. Mm-hmm. I just always fancied United yeah. to come out on top. I have to say, and this is no disrespect to United whatsoever. <coughs> Saturday's one-all draw at Tannadice is less of a surprise to me. Then they're five nil at Partick and they're six nil at home to Arbroath mm-hmm. because it's that type of um, division where you expect the big team to win most of their games, but you don't expect easy games, and and that's what they're seeing. The other thing that strikes me about it is that for for a manager like Jim Goodwin, is this season's championship so far, with the exception of his own team and Wraith Rovers, it's been so topsy turvy that you have to look at current form, and also, like, when you're playing Inverness, you have to go, well, they actually should be a top team in this. They're a top four team. So the fact they're bottom or second bottom, you've got to dismiss their current form and say they're a much stronger side than this. And if you do, 
you get what United expected on Saturday, a tough game. Yeah, he was he was very, very respectful about the standard of player that Inverness mm-hmm. have. And um, even before uh, we went up to the, the Highlands to cover that game, uh, you know, they were struggling at that point. He was still very, very respectful. Yeah. And the, even with Inverness struggling, basically said he'd no doubt they were going to get out of that. And that's before they appointed Duncan Ferguson. So um, there was no sense of underestimating the the calibre of player that Inverness have. And you could see you could see that they're a good side because they weren't, and I mean this with the greatest respect in the world, Morton also came to Tanadice and left with a point, same outcome. But you didn't watch that Morton side and think that's a that's a fine yeah. side packed with top players who could go into the top four. They weren't, whether you know they were playing in a certain way or whatever, they didn't handle the ball that well and uh, and things like that. They didn't have a great deal of control over the game. But Inverness side were very tidy. They, they really were, you know. Um, I, I mentioned Anderson already. Charlie Gilmore looked after the ball well. Uh, Nathan Shaw, good stuff. Uh, they were a tidy side. And um, I think it was a, um, a good visiting performance. But the interesting thing from a United perspective probably now becomes that's three wins from six home games in the league. That's five wins from nine home games in the league, uh, in all competitions, I should say, at Tanadice. So um, that now becomes, while not an alarming pattern, it does contrast fairly sharply with their form on the road. So that's clearly, while they are tackling the challenge of tough away games really well, maybe benefiting from the fact that other teams need to come out a little bit and taking advantage of spaces, there's also a parallel challenge for when they do come back to home soil, and it's a while now, um, mm-hmm. uh, to perhaps um, uh, become a little bit more potent and effective at home, which I have to say is not an easy task. No. As, uh, managers will tell you it's, it is easier to set up teams to defend than it is to attack. And uh, there are a lot of very capable championship teams in terms of organisation and diligence and work ethic that will come to Tanadice and be really hard to break down. So that maybe becomes the, the, the next challenge for Jim Goodwin to really tackle because while the home form's not perilous, um, it is visibly not as good as their away form. Yeah, and somebody's too bad of the mate. Does the 6-0 against Arbroath make a rod for their own backs? Because that's what fans are expecting a win anyway. Now they're expecting big wins. They're expect- yeah. I mean, they're expecting the bugle yeah. to go... <clears throat> to sound kickoff, it's a charge, but it's maybe one of these things where you have to be more circumstance, circumspect, yeah. rather keep the ball and settle for just winning the game. Yeah, I mean, I don't think Emmy saw the, the 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 big win against Arbroath coming. You know, mm. the way Arbroath had had improved, um, and you're not going to win every ga- every game like that. And I think, I think uh, Jim Goodwin's there was an underlying message in Jim Goodwin's quotes to the fans. You know, let's be a bit realistic over where we are, what we're doing, you know, don't be too disappointed if we don't run over the top of teams. At the end of the day, a one nothing win gets you the same as a six nothing win. Yeah. It gets you three points on the road to, you know, the, the ultimate goal which is which is winning winning promotion. And yeah, well well Alan Alan's right. I mean, unfortunately the home form is shown up as being Pretty iffy when it's not really. I mean, five wins out of nine uh, still. Of course, the away form is starkly impressive. But uh, yeah, you but you do want to do it in, in front of your own fans. But where United are now, Tom, if they, they keep winning five games out, out of nine at home over the next run of eighteen games or yeah. whatever it is. I don't know. Yeah. You know, but you, what you know what I'm saying. That will be well good enough to keep them where mm-hmm. they are, and, and might even be good enough to stretch their lead at the top. Yeah, I mean, a they're. they're Overall form means there's no need for panic. And being, just to continue my bromance with uh, Jim Goodwin, who I've never met or spoken to in person, <laughs> I, I, I would quickly add, clever manager, what does he do this week? Talks up Declan Glass. The kind of player who can change home draws into victories because he's got that wee bit of craft and guile. There's quite a few players that I think he likes that fall into Declan's category. I think Declan Glass is a bit more of a, a first teamer now. You know, he, he started seven games on the bounce before a, a recent injury. So, but he's maybe in that same category as he likes Chris Mockery. He clearly likes Archie Mikkelsen when he's fit. These guys get minutes, but it's just so hard to break into the team. Is you know, it's uh, because he likes to have two 
kind of destroying midfielders at the base. Well, that's, that's actually doing a disservice to Craig Sibold, but yeah, and Ross Doherty for that matter. But you know what I mean. More combative midfielders at the base of midfield, and then one more creative guy. That's been Tony Watt sometimes, it's been Declan Glass sometimes. Chris Mockery would like to be that, Archie Meekerson could be that yeah. with So it makes like it creates a little bit of a logjam. Um but I think he is always keen to talk up these boys because he clearly, especially in the case of Declan Glass, who he described as, you know, technically one of the best players in the division, um, he clearly really, really rates him. And it's just about fitting all these boys in the in the one team. It's it is really, really difficult to do. Um, against Abroad, they were brilliant, effectively playing a four-two-four. You know, with with no attacking midfielder, just you know, two wingers and Tony Watt and Mo up front. There's been other games where these Watts played in the hole. There's been other games where Glass has played in the hole. It's yeah, he really does like Declan Glass. I think a lot of fans really like Declan Glass, but it's just so um, it's so tough to fit all of these creative attacking midfield types into one team. It's uh, but it's going to be a long season, isn't it? And yeah. and you've got four games coming up, three of which are in different competitions. So maybe we'll see a new few new faces. Maybe we'll see a bit of rotation. We're heading into the dark winter months. So maybe what becomes a logjam will actually become a pleasant chance for rotation, you know? Yeah, I mean, to pick up the point you just made there about Jim Goodwin liking those types of players and one you made earlier about Duncan Ferguson... It is bare. It's a f- it's a funny trait of managers I noticed down the year. I, always, I used to say to Jockey Scott, "Why do you spend so much time on defending? You were as a player, you were allergic yeah. to crossing the halfway line in your own half." Which there used to be a few expletives followed on. <laughs> but it, it's funny. Managers do tend to focus more on the opposite <laughs> to what they were as players. Uh, it, it's maybe that thing that when they move into coaching. I don't know. They maybe think, oh, this is what's lacking. I mean, I know how to do that. Mm. I mean, I can imagine Ross Doherty, Craig Sibyl doing something great with the ball and Jim Goodwin having to stop himself saying to them, just as long as you do your job, like mm. I did on the pitch. Whereas they love the players that weren't them as a player. Mm-hmm. And it's a, it's an it's an interesting thing that managers who were defensive as players often like to attack, and managers who attack these yeah. players often like to defend. I remember covering Tony Mowbray's Hibs team, and that was a yeah, pretty exactly. good example ah, of that. Yeah. Uh, Tony Mowbray yeah. wasn't exactly um, the most silkiest Culture. footballer and uh, that you can imagine. Then you watched his Hibs team, you're like, blimey, that's ah. a, they're playing unbelievable stuff, yeah. you know. And even now he's down, gone down, it didn't work at Celtic, but down south these teams play some great stuff. Yeah. You've got John Hughes as well. You know, it's, ah. there is definitely examples of that, but what I would say is because Jim Goodwin probably killed me if I was to suggest otherwise, he is very much yeah. all over his sort of tough tackling, hard work, defensive, yeah. you know, the type of player he was. So I wouldn't say he's veered completely to the opposite no. because... This, maybe just the thing yeah. to speak about because they take the side of the yeah. game they knew best yeah. for granted. I mean, Jockey Scott, as a forward that growing up, you just loved scoring goals. You want yeah. to be in, you want to get in and get as many shots and try and get the ball in the back of the net. You don't care, really, unless the manager's on your case continually, which in those days it was slightly different, I would suggest, but... You know, all he thought about was scoring goals, but... To the extent, I can remember, I mean, speaking to him about it and Gordon Wallace way back, uh, there, there was the ridiculous thing with it, if you admit it, those old enough remember that for a while the Dundee forward line was jockey, Gordon Wallace and John Duncan. Yeah. Now, John Duncan was the prize asset. John Duncan had to play out in the wing. He had to run back yeah. because they were the two experienced pros. They were like, son, you have to do, you have to do the donk. I'm not saying they yeah. didn't do any, but he was the one that... if the first person to do the donkey yeah. work was him. The next thing he's going to the English First Division in Spurs as a, as a centre forward. Yep. And it just it's, it's the way it works. Yeah, that, but I think obviously when Jockey's going at the management, he's, management, he's quickly realised if I'm going to stay in a job, we need to be defensively strong. I can't have a living in yeah, me. Exactly. So, yeah, you change and you see things slightly different. I think it's good to have both, both sides yeah. of it. But for me, I, I would suggest that first and foremost, you get your get your defence sorted out. Get your as Alan's point, the tough tackling midfielder sorted out. If you've got that platform, the guys who can play and score goals, the guys who the fans pay money to see can go and perform as well. Because without that, you've got no chance. If you if you if you're yeah. making goals at the back, you've got a big, big problem. And that's something that Dungeon United have, have have totally sorted out this season after a disastrous campaign last season when 
poor goals. When you thought things were suddenly getting back on track, poor goals absolutely ruined them. You know, so fair play to the manager for for getting that one absolutely bang on. And I mean, what they are as as they've often been down the years. United are a very good counter-attacking team, which takes us nicely to tomorrow. Because one thing you know, one of the teams in the Championship who can never afford to sit back at home hmm. are Dunfermline. And you know that Dunfermline will have a go at them. I mean, it's a he's mm -hmm. done very well yeah. at Dunfermline, but it's a headache for James McPake because he's got a fan mm -hmm. base that expects his team to attack at East End Park. And it's the most dangerous tactic to employ against Dundee United in this league, isn't it? Absolutely agree, yeah. And I think that's why United have enjoyed such success yeah. away from what I don't think there's a... God, we've all been to a million games and a million grounds. I don't think there's a fan base in the country that will accept Aye. your team just sitting back. Maybe if you're a smaller team in Rangers and Celtic visit, that's probably about uh -huh. it. But every team, you know, supporters pay 20 quid, 25 quid to go and watch their team try and score a goal, to actually have a goal, to entertain their paying public. So that's especially true when you've got a, a fan base as demanding as Dunfermline fans. Dun Dunfermline are a big club, you know, yep. they, I, I, I'm not going to do the maths in my head, but I, I would imagine you could probably put an argument for them to be a top 10 size-wise club potentially mm -hmm. if it was to, uh, if the, the fan base was to be engaged and they were to be in the top flight. So yeah, there'll be big pressure for them to try and dictate the game, even although that's probably not, you know, if you were to play it in a neutral venue, how Dunfermline would go about yeah. beating Dundee United. Mm -hmm. So uh, I would imagine United will... Um, be very happy if Dunfermline feel that onus to come and have a pop at them because with guys like Glenn Middleton on the break, Kai Fotheringham with Tony Watt dropping back and finding little pockets to make things happen. See if you give these guys space to do something with the ball, they will do something with the ball. So um, it'll be a fascinating way to, it'll be a fascinating game to see how Dunfermline approach it, um, to see how Dundee United can potentially take advantage of, of the gaps that pop up and also just for the you know, the subplots like the, I mean, James McPake seems to become a kind of centre of attention every time Dunfermline play Dundee United, partly due to the fact that the attention Dundee United fans give him um, and partly for the fact that he always, um, I, th I think he's a part of them that probably perversely kind of enjoys that, yeah. you know, especially if he was to get a result. So um, it's uh, it will be a really interesting one and probably the 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 Friday night fixture, although I'll be at it obviously rather than watching it on TV, but it's the one that has probably kind of lit up the TV guide most for me in terms yeah, of. Yeah, I think what, it's one uh, of the games of the weekend. People are going to look forward and to that one. And you can actually they? watch this United <laughs> yep. game on a Friday night, unlike the Ardbrose game a couple of weeks ago that I told everybody to watch. <laughs> switched, switched on my TV <laughs> on this very podcast. I told them switched on my TV and here with Scotland ladies, and I, and I have to say it was. Uh, I went in the half, turned it off, turned it off. No reason not to watch the Scotland ladies team, but I was like, oh, what's going on? Just petulant. I'm watching that. Yeah. Sat in a corner. I, mean, I think it'll be a good one. I think yeah. it'll be a good one. I think, I yeah. think it's we one spoke, of the games of the weekend. We spoke about it before we came on air, and uh, I'm really looking forward to it, because you know that Dunfermline will have a decent support. United will have a fantastic support down East End Park tomorrow <clears> night, and... You know, we, we see too many championship games where you, you look at the stadiums and, yeah. in, in all fairness, fans don't have, uh, some of the clubs don't have huge supports, but they're in quite big stadiums. And You're watching an argument yeah. for a bigger Premier League. Yeah, if those, if yeah that's true. What, yeah. What the crowd will be tomorrow and the standard of the two teams, mm -hmm. which is up to them to get there, but also, you know, in the longer term, you say, this is a Premier League. Yeah, in sure. terms of fan bases and what they can bring to the Premier League, that you know, they would bring something to the table, certainly in that respect. But obviously, you've got to be there on there. Looking at Dunfermline, I think James McPake's in an unenviable position. That, you know, he's, he's got them promotion to the championship. He did his job there. You know, it's another promotion on his on his CV. But for fans to expect, the fans will expect Dunfermline mm -hmm. to be pushing for promotion again. And it's a real tough one. There's a transition period now for Dunfermline. He signed a few really good players. But I watched them last week against Morton and they were, it, was, it was a fine result from the guy. Moffat scored two uh, good early goals and I, I think they controlled the game to the point where, as always happens in a game, Morton get a penalty with 20 minutes to go and score and it's hear them, scare them for the last 20 mm -hmm. minutes. And fair play to Dunfermline for holding on and I've got to mention uh, Dennis Mehmet and the goal had a couple of fine, fine saves. Yep. Uh, One time United. Uh, yeah, uh, uh, absolutely. And established himself. That'll give them a bit of confidence going into this game. But yeah, I think I think uh, fans, I think, are a, can maybe be a wee bit 
harsh on James McPeak. The expectation level, I think, for Dunfermline is maybe greater than uh, the substance of their squad, shall we say, at this point in time. That's not to Which say... Which you could argue yeah. was the case in his last job at Well, Dundee. absolutely, absolutely, you know, so... But he's at that that yeah. size of club. You've got to go with it, you? And I'm just, I mean, I'm just looking at the table here. The rod for James McPeak's back right now is they're in fourth place. They're yeah. in a playoff spot. And anywhere, for me, anywhere from sixth upwards is a good first <laughs> season <laughs> when you've just been promoted from any division... And, and they're not flush with money, Dunfermline. They're, they're, they're running, the club's been run very well these days. But they're, they're building something. And for me, it, it's part of a process. But it's a size of club where if you're in fourth place, the fans now think fourth is at least you should be. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I would, I would like to think there's a, because of the, you know, the, the administration at the, you know, the, the start of the 2010s and, and the, subsequent relegation I, I'd like to think there's hopefully a, a little bit more of a sense of perspective I think James McBake's done a, a, a really really good job there's if you want a, a, an indication of how difficult it is to get out of um, League One just look at Falkirk yeah. another big club Dunfermline's big rival so um, James McBake as daft as this sounds uh, McBake maybe didn't get the credit he deserved just purely because they made it look so easy. Mm-hmm. You know, they were start, they were front runners from the start. They barely conceded a goal. They lost. They were sitting on one league defeat until the tail end of the season. So they made it look so easy that I think some people maybe mistakenly thought that it was easy. It wasn't. He did such a good job that they made it look easy. And yeah, but that, that shows the problem that managers everywhere have, though, because at the start of last season, Falkirk were the favourites. Mm-hmm. Everybody thought Falkirk were going up and Dunfermline blew them away. And by the end of the season, everybody, I'm sure, in Dunfermline had forgotten that Falkirk were favourites. And they were like, can we get promoted next season? Which is, it's great that fans have that enthusiasm, but it doesn't make managers' jobs easier. I was also, I mean, I was at the, the recent Fife Derby against Wraith Rovers um, at Starks Park and Dunfermline were miles the better team. They lose 1-0, it happens. In yeah. 93rd minute goal, Wraith Rovers first shot on target, but Dunfermline were miles the better team. They were the better team against Morton until, you know, Morton being Morton just became so dangerous at set pieces. It was just a, a bombardment and they had to hold on. But I think Dunfermline could be a few points better off than they actually yeah. are in the table. And as you say, they are fourth. So I think Dunfermline's return to the second tier has been absolutely fine and their performance last season was sensational. So I don't really see how anybody could look at the job James McPake's done and, and be anything I other don't than think, admiring of it. Yeah, I, I don't think that's certainly the case just now. I just I always worry for managers at clubs like that that the fans and maybe more importantly directors get ahead of themselves what, a, wee, a wee bit of progress they want a lot of progress there'll definitely be about seven clubs in that division that all think well we could finish fourth yeah and I, I get what you mean if there then could be a sense of disappointment if you aren't one of yeah. those but i think the the hope of getting a playoff spot um is maybe just that rather than an expectation i think that's how it should remain you know it's mm-hmm. something you aspire to without being something that it would be disastrous not to get you know i think there's there's a lot of teams in that division would have thought at this point in time they would have still thought they would have been title contenders but mm-hmm. because of what dundee united have done yeah. this season andre throwers andre throwers mm-hmm. to yeah. be fair to Rafe, they've hung in because of what these two teams have done there's more teams now obviously just looking at yeah. playoff spots rather than you know because it would let's be honest it would take a huge collapse from where Dundee United and Wraith Rovers are for, for for the two of them to get hauled right back into the pack in fact should Dundee United turn the screw a wee bit before Christmas you know it could be game set and match time you're, you're beginning you're, to say like me but it's easy to say that because because of their form and, and, and what they've done and it's it's a credit to Jim Goodwin and, and the players for doing that. You speak about the pressure that, that's on James McPake, but the pressure was on Jim Goodwin big style at the start of the yeah. season to get Dundee United in, in the horrific start in the League Cup campaign. For every dafty that was yeah. promoting them by October, yeah. there was a there, there was a couple of sage pundits oh, saying that Jim, yeah. Jim Goodwin could have been a, on yeah. a sugarly peg. And and that's why Jim Goodwin and won't he won't take his eye off the ball, but he no. won't allow his squad to take their eye off the ball in any game. You know, they'll be they'll be focused on every single every single point that's that's up for grabs, that's for sure. And the way they're, the way they're going about their business at this point in time tells me that they'll be, be, premier, be playing Premier League football next season. Great stuff. Moving across the road to Dens Park, Bear. 
It's time for United to get our trumpets out and give them a good blow. <laughs> Excuse me? <laughs> hey, family show, trumpets, I said trumpets. <laughs> There's been a few trumpets uh, at Dens over the season. We'll be taking a break over there, the, well, I the compose years. myself. Yeah. <laughs> no, Luke McCowan. Oh, beaten the, yeah. Beaten, to, to keep the musical theme, we've been beating the drum. Yeah. Alan, stop that. <laughs> stop those looks. <laughs> Beating the drum. Yeah. And um, said he's got the ability, gives us the consistency. He's doing that now. He's becoming a match winner for Dundee, isn't oh, he? Oh, not half. Not half. A sensational strike again. I mean, I, I, oh, we mentioned, we mentioned the, the goal against Hearts earlier before we came on air as well when, when he, he tucked one away from distance. Um, but yeah, sensational free kick. And as I said, I, w- I wouldn't have looked out of place if they'd been sure highlights of that in the English Premier's free Premier kicks League are, are, this season. They're not quite ten a penny, no. but with the flight of the ball and the, the modern was, techniques yeah. of players, they're, they're more frequent was, than they used to be, but that was a hell I was of a free right, kick. right behind that, and from the moment I left his boot, I looked as though it was, it was in, the, in the back. And Jack Hamilton, former Dundee keeper, of course, made a, a valiant attempt, but he was still mm-hmm. a good foot away from that ball when it goes into the back of the net. It was a fantastic free kick because it was, it was actually further out than I, I thought initially. I thought yeah. it was on the edge of the box, but it's a wee bit further than that. And maybe that helped him, actually. But he got pace and he got you know precision and what a free kick. And he's shown what a valuable player he can be for Dundee this season. As, as we've said, I mean, I saw him in the Premier League Two years ago with Dundee, and you know he, he was scoring goals there. So he, when, I think once you, you've shown you can score goals at that level, mm-hmm. you know it's there, it's in your locker, you can do it. But there was a consistency side to his game that was lacking, and 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 well, you, you're not going to score fantastic goals every single week, or, or certainly if you do, you're not going to be playing for Dundee FC. Let's be honest yeah. about that. But you can still bring something something to games and. He's done that, and I, I don't know if it's, it's Tony Docherty's playing him slightly inside. He, you know, he, he was sort of played as a winger more often than not, but he's enjoyed playing inside, whether it's been Tiffany on the outside or this season, he, if it's a five in midfield, he's, he's maybe tucked in one and, and Beck's gone, gone outside him as well. So that seems to be helping him as well, but he's a more mature player as well. You can see that. When, mm-hmm. when Dundee don't have the ball, you can see he knows he's got a defensive role to play and he's, he's doing it to a tee, but... When it comes to where Dundee are this season, you know, having somebody like that that can produce a moment of magic, but Tom, you can throw a blanket over the vast majority of teams in that league under the old firm. Okay, we've seen two games yeah. this midweek which have finished in draws. Wins are absolutely crucial to take yeah. yourself out of that pack. And you've got a boy like uh, Luke McKibben who can produce a goal like that that can win you a game. You know, it's invaluable for Dundee. And... Tony Docker will be hoping that continues for a while to come. Six points from two yeah. games against Livingston, who are every chance to be a real, I say relegation rivals, I mean, Dundee are sixth, but, mm-hmm. you know, it could potentially be relegation rivals. It's absolutely huge. Sensational see outcome United from two Man games. to use the R word, well, there was, was nothing but a positive that point I made. <laughs> no, There's nothing positive about saying relegation when you're a Dundee no, it's, it's from Six points from two games, that's the stuff of, of Tony yeah, Docherty's yeah. dreams as he looked at those two games against yeah, Livingston, yeah. absolutely. But and, and also not conceding in either. Yeah. Really, two right good statement victories. I thought, I mean, I don't like when you've got games like that coming against the same team in a week. I'm always mm-hmm. wary about that. And, you know, you win the first game and it is a... I thought in the back of your mind, well, we've got three points. Would someone just go for a point or maybe would four be enough? But, you know, people were saying to me when when they they played, obviously, Rangers in midweek and took a bit of a doing um, in in that game, and people were going, well, it doesn't really count, you know, games against Rangers and Ophir. It doesn't doesn't count if you're able to get the victory against Livingston on the Sunday after that game. It, It doesn't because it means that they've got six points from a possible nine against, as I say, Dundee are in a league, you know, with Livingston, in effect, where they've come from, Dundee, from from the championship. And to put in, you know, two displays like that, dogged displays against the dogged side by a dogged manager who have, who have hurt Dundee in the past and hurt other teams, come out with two clean sheets, is, speaks volumes for, for where the team is at at this point in time. And, you know, uh, uh, the manager can take, huge credit for, for what he's done this season so far you know it's, it's just they're sitting in, a, in a, a, a nice position so far but you know he'll not be getting carried away certainly he'll be wanting to, to push on now but 
they look to me as though they've got the foundation. We spoke about United, you know, having, you know, the defensive solidity and, you know, a, a platform to go and build. Dundee have certainly got that. And yeah. we've seen that with, with the goalkeeper and the two centre-backs and an unbelievable save as well, which we've got to mention from Carson yeah. towards the end of the game. And Tom, it's not, not, the first time, not the first time this season he's done that. He's already picked up big points. And I read Lee Wilkie's column and it, it was a wee bit unfair, I think, on Adam Legsden's as said, it's good to have a, a, a goalkeeper behind you you can trust. I think you've got to <laughs> I, I think you've got to remember Adam Legsden's played his part in getting two promotions for Dundee. Yeah. You know, and he's not is not a bad goalkeeper and is a, a good experienced goalkeeper. But I think from Dundee's point of view, not just the goalkeeper, but from the score itself, have you we've seen in the past teams going up and coming straight back down. If Dundee wanted to go up and stay up, they had to improve in certain areas. Yeah. And I think they have got you know, they've got a real, real top goalkeeper who's already won them five, six points this season. Yeah. Two, you know, Premier League standard centre backs who are giving yeah. nothing away. And, and I, I, I talk about Lee Ascroft as well, who I really rate as centre back. I think there is definitely an improvement in the in the rear guard this season, and you're seeing that with the results in the clean sheets so far. It's been it's been a fantastic start for them. Having a goalkeeper that actually wins you points yep. is huge in this yeah. division. I mean, obviously. You know, being on the patch that I am, I saw the difference when Benjamin Segrist left. And mm -hmm. obviously, even notwithstanding what they replaced Benjamin Segrist with, he, I, I mean, I estimated he probably saved Dundee United about 15 points. Uh, genuine, uh, sorry, yeah. gained them about 15 points. Mm -hmm. He was the difference between a relegation battle and qualifying for Europe. Uh, I don't have any doubt in my mind about that. And as Bear rightly says, you could have a goalkeeper who is pretty steady, you know, on par, all good. But uh, having a goalkeeper that actually literally wins you yeah, game. I was going to say, there's, a, there's plenty of good goalkeepers out there, but the next category up, yeah. up, I always think, is the goalkeeper that once in a while, once every couple of games or so, pulls out a save where when you see the ball going towards goal, yeah. you think goal. Think yeah. Yeah. I mean, and Carson's like, done that a few the, times this season. The footage of Carson's save is fabulous, the one from behind the goal, because you see Bruce Anderson start to wheel away. <laughs> he does the action of a man wheeling away. So that tells you everything you need to know. The professional footballer that has just had... Footballers tend to know when the ball's going in. So because, yeah. you know, they've played this game all their lives and he was wheeling away to celebrate. That tells you how good that save was. The... George did, uh, since he's not here to um, uh, blow his own trumpet, as it were, um, I'll do it for him. And he um, did a great piece on Dundee's defensive. Um, you uh, may be like, you shouldn't have started all that uh, sort of <laughs> on the, innuendo earlier. On Dundee's defensive capabilities, and he pinpointed uh, Carson. And although we can get a bit bogged down in stats, sometimes there is a really good one that he picked out on a stat basically called goal saved above average. And basically, combines the amount of saves he's made with the XG of those shots, how likely it was to go in. Yeah. And Scott, uh, Scott Carson, goodness me. Trevor Carson is up there at above four. So basically he saved four what should have been goals. Yeah. He's, and I've seen a game of small margins. That's huge. Mm. Four that goals. That could be six, seven points. Right. And the, for a reference point, the next closest is Dimitar Mitov on about two. So he's, he's like pretty much double mm -hmm. anyone else in terms of saving shots that by all accounts should have gone in the net. That is um, a difference maker, yeah, a off, proper off the, difference maker. Off the top maker. of my head, I can think of the save against Hearts, the free kick, the tip over the bar. There was the one on Saturday, uh, Sunday against Livingston. One against Ross County in midweek, which he yeah. caught from behind them. The, which I can again, think the game Easter Road. Easter Road, he had a couple Callum of Callum Davidson, yeah. Michael Stewart, two, two pros were commentating yeah. on the radio that night and both said, that was a goal. Yeah. yeah. But that's just what, just, what you say, just what we spoke about. It's ones that you think, that's in. Yeah. How did, he, how did he manage to do uh -huh. that? And he's got that in his locker. I've got to say, he's been ably assisted by the two centre-backs who Dundee got a bit yeah. deep on, on Sunday, as you can imagine. And I think there was about nine minutes of stoppage time as well, which didn't sort of help matters. Well, there was a, there was a uh, couple of incidents which we maybe touch on. Understandable, yeah. big three points, and also yeah. they were chasing their tails yeah. for 90 minutes against Rangers. A lot of fans were getting uneasy, and, and, and they're writing off, they're saying, you know, let's get up the park a, a bit. But, you know, I'm, I think you'll see more of that from Dundee when they're in front now, because they know they can, they know they can they hold can out. They can yeah. do it. As, uh, the worst thing is if you get deep and you start losing goals, but if you, you think you can hold out, damn, 
with crosses into the box. The centre half won the vast majority of headers. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, Portales was outstanding uh, on the right hand side of the defence. Man of the match, match I believe. Yeah. He was he was up against Newbley. Newbley, uh, I think you need you, you need a plan of action to play against Joel Newbley. Such a handful, and Portales played them really well. But you got you got help from when when Newbley got the ball. There was somebody. Well, well, Portales was behind him. Mm -hmm. There was a Dundee player nibbling away at the front of him as well. And yeah. Joel Newby's got really good feet and he never got a chance to get in a dangerous area to mm -hmm. score a goal bar once once in the in the, in the first half. So, um, yeah, the, the, the worked, worked really hard and uh, it was a great, great victory. As I say, Livingston are a dogged side. Um, and, you know, I, I think that they can just, just take this on. I spoke to you about it, Tom. They need to add a few more goals to their game. Now, whether somebody's going to step up to the plate, I think Zach Gordon's working really he, hard. Typical fan. Exactly. He's, he, he's wanting Harry Kane now. Yeah. Well, First season back in the Premier League. Well, you, they're getting a few goals from various various areas. And as, as I say, Zach Gordon's working hard. Bakayoko's working hard. But we need one of them. I'd like to see somebody get, get in a run of games where they could, you know, that's another goal for him. Even if it's just one, one, one in every couple of games. But... You know, at this point in time, they'll be content with that. Maybe, maybe I'm being a bit critical, overly critical. I have to say, I mean, I, I share your your your, your dream of a goal-scoring striker. But I think it was it was Sky that other night did a chart of the world's top strikers, and that I mean obviously Harry Kane, Haaland, grabbed the headlines because they keep scoring. Mm -hmm. But it was quite alarming how few goals the rest of the big names in world football are. Scoring just now, now clubs clubs with hundreds of millions of pounds to spend can't yeah. find a form striker right now who's available. It's the hardest hardest job for a manager if if he's got to add goals to his team, isn't it? Yeah, you, you need to find a way. I think sometimes there are natural natural bomb strikers. I would say Haaland is one of those, but in other ways, you need to find a way to create chances for your strikers to score goals. You know, and, and you'll find that a, a striker could get a barrel of goals at one club, goes to another club, and suddenly the, the goals suddenly dry up because they're not being presented with the same opportunities. I can remember when going way back to, to the Benetti era, era um, when Stevie Lovell played up front uh, alongside Caballero, and Caballero used to pick him out with yeah, some unbelievable... All the time, early balls over the top, Stevie Lovell would run and score. Same goal time and time again, but I wasn't locked... Caballero knew when he got the ball out wide, Stevie Lovell knew what was coming next. They were, they were on it. It was like sort of they knew exactly what was coming, a ball over the top. And, and Have you ever seen a documentary where Ian Rush explains how his partnership with Kenny Dalglish worked so well? Kenny Dalglish said, son, if you get the ball and you're standing there, you kick it there. And Ian Rush got the ball in that position, looked, looked where Dalglish had told him to kick it, couldn't see Dalglish. <laughs> So he didn't he didn't kick it there. Dalglish had a not so quiet word with him. Every time after that he kicked it there. Yeah. Dalglish would then tell yeah. Rush where to go. And that's where Rush that's is, Rush's go. I remember got that the wrong way around. Uh, yeah. It was me, Dalglish said, if I get uh, yeah. the ball here, you, you run get there. In there. Yeah, is it? But and, as a and similar, it just, it's an it understanding. It's an understanding like say, between Yerler, players. Yeah. And Stevie Oval was yeah. actually a very good player yeah. Yeah. who was also clever enough to say, well, when he gets the ball there, I'm yeah. going to run there because he'll, fi he'll find that space. Yeah. But you can do you can do that with uh, more limited strikers, yeah. if you like, if they're willing to listen. Can't yeah. yeah, and everybody gets on the same wavelength. And I think the more of your players that are on the same wavelength, that's you, you've mm -hmm. got to step up on the opposition straight away. If you know where you're going to be able to put the ball and somebody knows where you're going to put it, you've got to think that's an advantage. And it's, it's just like set plays, if you're like, you know, just whether it's a throw-in or a corner kick, everybody's, if everybody's on the same wavelength, you can catch teams out by doing that. And, you know, I think Dundee have worked hard on the training ground, a lot of things, and, you know, hopefully they can they can get a few more goals in their locker. But the way they're playing at this point in time is, is, is really... Really good, and I think you know. Uh, uh, yeah. Hopefully, they can keep it going, Tom. I was going to say. I mean, we we've we've, uh, especially you and I, bear have expressed our concern yeah. as we do about. We would like a few more wins, but if you look at Dundee's eleven games, eight of them they haven't lost. Yeah, I mean, I I, I'm not industrious I, enough yeah. to go through the plow through the records, but 
When's the last time Dundee started a Premier League season with that kind of yeah. statistic? Yeah. I think the Rangers have, have lost three. Uh, Dundee have lost three. Yeah. I think it's only St Mirren and Celtic that have lost less less games than Dundee at this point in time. And hopefully Dundee can <laughs> can sort that out on, on Saturday when St Mirren come, come to dance. Um, I think the manager sees things early too. He's, he uses substitutes well. We spoke about on, on Sunday, um, a surprise omission, uh, Boateng uh, left on the bench and... Uh, Mosilla was, was in. I like Silla. I think he, he, he's not played a lot this season. He does things. He looks very comfortable in what he does. But the first half for me was, was similar to the, the first half at Livingston. It was instantly forgettable because nothing actually happened. And the manager obviously felt, well, you know what? If we're going to win this game, we need to up the ante. Everybody. So he swapped Silla for Boateng. Boateng comes on and instantly Dundee improved because the ball was moving quicker, much quicker. And that allowed Dundee to get the upper hand in the second half to the point where they do... They had a few chances, but they do get the free kick and, and they get the goal. By the way, I think that I thought that was a sending off. I don't know if you guys saw it on the on the, on the television. No, I, you know when the referee sent as a Kelly, is it Kelly, the guy Kelly from Livingston, um, and uh, he brought down Zach Rodden as he as he was through on goal. The referee produced a red card, um, and goes uh-huh. goes to VAR, and you know it's, it's clear that that. Kelly isn't the last man. There's another Livingston defender, but for me, it was a lunge at the player. And it's yeah. not dissimilar to what uh, Josh Mulligan oh, was sent off for. Yeah. And Mulligan was actually inside his own half, you know, at the time, and going away from the Dundee goal. Love a man who point. bears the grudge. Bear, yeah. bear never forget. I just think, I, I just thought at, at the time, you know, I, I thought the referee should have just went, no, I'm not checking for last man. That was a lunge yeah. at him. If you see it, he catches Zach Rodden quite high up. And unfortunately, Zach Rodden wasn't injured. But I suppose... Uh, loving some of punishment the fact that when, when Luke McKinney steps up Carlos in the free kick but it's one of those ones again you, I think the referee should have a look at alright Alan I don't I don't want to put Tony Doherty on a Jim Goodwin type pedestal here uh, largely because when he was assistant manager at St Johnson he once said he didn't like a shirt I was wearing so like oh. Bear I never I don't know exactly <laughs> that was and it, caught, it wasn't from the sale rail either, like most of my shirts. So I was a what, bit, I was a bit dis- disappointed with that. What kind of shirt was it? I'm not going to go into that because so it was actually pretty. Was, it was one of my fashion failures. Let's let's see. Yeah, uh, did have a pattern. Did okay. have a pattern. Well, but um, more importantly, a bit like Jim Goodwin, his man management's good. He praises Boateng after bringing him on as sub. Like Barry, he, he seems to be a manager that sees things for certain games. He sees things as they're happening on the park, which is a, a, a valuable asset for any manager. But he also seems to be able to give players a wee boost at the right time. Yeah, I like a, I like a halftime sub. It shows decisiveness, particularly if it hasn't reached the point where you're behind or it's become yeah, a disaster. Well, it wasn't injury. I'm pretty positive it wasn't injury. It yeah. was just a tactical Exactly. Switch. So that shows decisiveness. Mm-hmm. It shows a reading of the game and how that game might have gone off the rails if he hadn't done something about it. And I thought he explained it really well after the game. I was catching up with, with George's uh, conversation with him and, you know, explained it thoroughly well. You know, Silla was doing his job in midfield defensively, but he wanted better passing, he wanted it sharper, he wanted to move the ball faster, as, as Bear pointed out, and so he brought on Boateng, who played very well. So there was no ambiguity, and the reason he didn't say that Silla had a slight knock or anything, you know, uh-huh. like we've, uh-huh. we've known managers uh-huh. that have maybe uh, couched a tactile substitution in a, yeah, yeah. a fitness thing, or, you know, it's, so it's he was he was honest, he was um, uh, clear for the supporters and the players alike, and it was for all every, good. For every player that appreciates you covering up a bad performance with, he took a slight knock, mm-hmm. there's, another, there's another player that will say, if, if you didn't think it was playing well, just say yeah. so. So I think it was, uh, I, I don't think there's a, a single failure in Doherty's decision to take uh, a player off at halftime to how uh, he dealt with it afterwards, to the outcome of the game. All good. And it continues what has been, a, I think we can now say, a very, very, very good start to his Dundee managerial yeah. career. I mean, there's a clean sheet record only. Only Rangers and Celtic have kept more clean sheets in the Premiership than Dundee. That's mm-hmm. exceptional. Simply exceptional. And the thing about the substitution there, Bear, it's a, it, it can be a tough call for a manager, especially when you're like, a point's not the end of the world. You're keeping a clean sheet and a boy's doing his defensive job, but you see something in that pitch that can be exploited that someone else on your bench has got 
is better equipped yeah. to exploit that. It's, I, a, it's yeah. a big call because it could backfire. Yeah. There's a couple of things, and he was rewarded for that. But I also think that it's, it's it's testament to where Dundee are at this point in the season. I'd like to think that Tone Docker would have made the same switch had Dundee been maybe sitting second bottom of, of the table. Nah. You know, you know, <laughs> Go with the defender. Well, that's ex that's exactly, but that's that's the sort of things you can do mm -hmm. because of what you've done in the past, because of the points you've got, you, you can afford to go, you know what, we, I think we could win this game. I might I might open the door for Livingston a wee bit, but if we're a bit quicker at, on the on the ball here, we can we can go and get the three points and depending on where you are on the table, you can afford to take a wee gamble yeah. here and there. And he's right. he's saying that with the with the UCT squad, he's he's because, again, I wouldn't like to think the number of the times in the past Dundee you've gone in a season with so many new players. Mm -hmm. But he, he seems to have gotten them to jail as a squad, not just an 11 and players on the fringes for injuries or suspensions. Suspensions, rather. Yeah, it's maybe becoming a bit easier now, but there was certainly a period there where I couldn't have predicted Tony Doherty's mm -hmm. starting lineup, mm -hmm. And even to an extent, I probably wouldn't have picked him having dropped... Boating and, and, yeah. and so it's you know he's still pulling those rabbits out of the hat so yeah not only has he assembled a decent squad and he keeps, seems to be keeping it happy but he has shown a willingness to to change things and that will help the contentment of those French players see if they can see a Mo Silla coming into the starting lineup then they'll say well it's not just lip service you 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 are willing to make changes but what I will, I will say kind of individually on the Malachi Boating thing is. I think it's we've discussed how much potential he's got his mobility mm. the way he can break up the game he's very much a modern midfielder i love the fact that he's now getting a bit of praise and he has changed a game with his use of the ball because i think that's see if he can also yeah. start to affect the game and realize how good he can be in terms of bursting into the final third making offensive passes i really do think he is a, a top top prospect i almost feel like he just needs to realize how much he Just can yes exactly that's, that's see if he starts to, see if he starts to realize how he can impact games with a skill set that he's got i think the, the sky's the limit for him and it was great to hear so i've not i've not seen the game in full so it was great to hear that he came on and gained praise for his use of the ball and you know changing the game in that regard rather than just being a dynamo and getting about and making tackles which we clearly know he can do now do, i mean your words here have prompted me to hike up my Tony Doherty pedestal a bit more because I mean another thing that is, is a factor in football and always has been Tony Doherty's done very well getting some promising young players on loan now there must be nothing worse for a manager after a good weekend result you come in on Monday morning the phone goes and there's a boy on from the parent club saying he was only on the bench and you're thinking oh god I got the three points but here it goes nothing's nothing's ever perfect as it were and I mean he, Managers know, especially mm -hmm. when it's bigger clubs that they're getting players from, that they're under a bit of pressure yeah. to play these kids, come what may. Because, take Boateng, Crystal Palace want him playing so that he gets more and more involved in games. Mm -hmm. And Boateng's had, had a lot of games. Maybe that, yeah. was, maybe that was one of the reasons mm -hmm. that uh, the manager decided to say, well, look, it's, it's time just to take a wee breather. You know, you, you, he, he did tend to start most of the games. Um, but no, you're right. There's a few lone players in there. Donnelly came in from nowhere at Livingston and did, yeah. did, a, did a terrific job. And then he obviously was back on the bench yeah, the other weekend, but came on. And everybody seems to be get, getting their opportunity. Finn, yeah. Finn Robertson was in for a while, but he's been uh, out. He's been out with the picture for, he for the last the bench. Mm -hmm. Cameron, Cameron wasn't in, and, and he started the game on on uh, Sunday there. And you've got to expect, unfortunately for Scott Tiffany, who I think still got something to offer Dundee and you know he hasn't sort of set the heather on fire yet but he's had injury problems we've still got a guy like Josh Mulligan to come back in the frame who I think you know I think we're, we're crying out for a, a right-sided midfielder who can I mean I'm not taking anything away from Jordan McGee because I think Jordan McGee did a fine job in that situation on uh, Sunday but I don't think there can be any denial that Josh Mulligan going forward with the ball at his feet is going to provide a bigger headache for opposition the opposition that that Jordan McGee in, in that respect. Um so yeah, I looked at I looked at his substitutes bench and you know, they're all they've all had their chances and I think that's a good thing as well because I think you're right, Tom. I think what he's basically said to the players, it doesn't matter who you are, if you go on and do a job for me, you will be given the opportunity to to keep that jersey and 
you know, I don't, I, I don't see anyone being stuck on the bench for for a lifetime. You, you, you'll just not be in the squad if your if manager doesn't think you're good enough. I think he's got complete faith in his mm-hmm. players. I think not just in their ability, but in their ability to go on and and you know fit into a system that he's set up for for a game. You know, I said that right at the start of the season. He's 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 got Dundee drilled into a system. And it doesn't matter if, if you think you're a a, a left winger or a left-sided midfielder or a centre midfielder if you get put on the part I've seen Finn Robertson go on and being told to play left wing yeah and he goes on he does it to the best of his ability we know he's not a left winger but he goes on and he keeps the ball and he doesn't give it away and I think there's, there's other players across the park that are doing a similar sort of job for the manager so yes and I've got to say the squad and there's no reason for it not to be but the squad in general looks a happy squad and a happy score, I've got to say, is a squad that are picking up points. doesn't matter what team you're looking at. A happy score is a good place to be. Yeah, but this optimism's given me <laughs> palpitations and cold sweats. They're going for back-to-back wins with another home game on Saturday. Mm-hmm. But let's temper this. It is St Myrne. Mm-hmm. St Myrne, given, given what you expect of the old firm, St Myrne are arguably the team of the season today. No, so it's not going to be easy. No, a very good manager, I've got to say. I'm a big yeah. fan, big, big fan of Stephen Robinson, what he did at Motherwell and, you know, coming back and, and doing similar stuff at St Myrne, building a team. He, he likes he likes powerful players, but he also likes players that can play and you, yeah. you can see that, you know, they, they've got a fine, a fine mix. Uh, but I remember him at Motherwell, where yeah. the, Dun, Mother, Motherwell had out-muscled Dundee in a mm-hmm. game, I think it was down at Fir Park. Yeah. Came to Dens, everybody expected, well, here's another physical button. Motherwell passed him off yeah, the back. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's got that. He does. He, he, he builds good good sides and he knows how to win games at this level and he knows how not to lose games at this level, as we saw in midweek with a late, late goal. You know, so it'll be a, a really tough tough game for Dundee. It's, it's, it's a, Dundee have lost three games this season. Celtic Rangers and St. Murn, so it's an opportunity for Dundee to redress that. Missed a penalty at St. Murn as well. Yeah, it was, a, it was a funny game. Really early in the season, I think, you know, um, just finding their feet. But was it, yeah, they gave themselves a wee bit to miss a penalty to make it ones up, I think it was, and then go and lose a, a soft second goal right before half-time. Get back in it uh, in the second half through Josh Mulligan and then had a couple of chances maybe to take something something from the game. But, uh, yeah, St Myrna proved, they've gone on to prove what a good, good side they are. And it's, it'll be a real tough game. But I, I, it's a right good test for where Dundee are at, yeah. at this point in time. And Alan, would, is it fair to say, which I obviously think it is, it's a leading question, Your Honour, that would, uh, three points for Dundee on Saturday would be the result of the season so far? Um, For Dundee or in general? Well, it feels, I, I, it feels, I, I actually have to think in general, but realistically for Dundee. Okay, yeah, um, absolutely, yeah, it would be, uh, I'd, I'd absolutely agree with the St Mirren being the story of the season. Uh, I think the, the level of consistency that they've found is admirable, I would say. Yeah. You know, it's, uh, I think we all know that a Stephen Robinson team is going to be hard to beat and it's going to pick up results and it's probably going to, as they did round about last season, maybe float between kind of fifth and eighth in the league. But they've completely outperformed that. They found a level of consistency that mm-hmm. I think is really, really admirable, especially after, for example, losing Trevor Carson. Yes. Uh, albeit that was, you know, the, the, a mutual decision, if you like. So, I've got to say, the keeper I have there is a right good keeper. Yes, Zach Yeah, I remember watching watching him at Kilmarnock, and he was yep. he was excellent as well. So uh, they've, yeah, absolutely, they they are a good side, and it would be a massive, massive result for. Um, for Dundee if they can beat them but I mean you allude to that you know the game in Paisley is there's not a great deal from that game that would make you think no uh, we should be approaching this with trepidation that is I think it's almost a good thing that you've you've lost that game but come away thinking you know it was away yeah. from home against a team that's third in the league and we weren't out of our depth so it's I, a I, funny thing that you lose some games and you're almost looking at your team when it comes to the reverse fixture at your place, you're mm-hmm. thinking, well, at least it won't be yeah. that bad. But as good as St Mirren have been, that's one of the games where you think, well, mm-hmm. let's see what happens at our place. It's, it's absolutely, a, you know, it's, it's a cliche because managers and players will say it so often, the old, oh, you can take positives from that. But there are there were loads of positives that could have been taken from that game at St yeah. Mirren. And allied with how good St Mirren have gone on to be 
Dundee should have every every reason to be positive. I think it'll be a really, I think it'll be a really really tough game, but um, it's one that Dundee can approach with a great deal of positivity. See how we've done completely danced around Sam. Yes, you have. So I, I could be a manager. I can't even remember what we're going. Oh, it was about would it be the result of the would, century? Or would something? St. Martin be worthy of the, the Champions League? <laughs> I think. I mean, for you, I think your question was: Would it be Dundee's result of the season so far? And I think, you know, obviously, beating Hearts at Dens was was big for yeah. Dundee. Uh, but what we what, then you saw that Hearts yeah, were going yeah, through a wee ropey given, patch. Given what St. Martin have done, you know, it, it certainly would be up there. There's no doubt about that. And I mean, it would make it, nothing makes you feel like you belong than beating one of the mm-hmm. good outfits yeah. in think, your division. I think the best thing about it is, I think, and, and Bear will know better than me because he's you know he's watched basically every single ninety minutes. But I think there's already a feeling minus, that they belong, isn't it? Minus five yeah. at the start for a pint. Yeah, I think I think uh, as as the weeks go on, and certainly, and not just that, you, you look at the stats. The stats suggest that Dundee are going to be fine this mm-hmm. season. But Tom, there's always that we. Always that thing in the back of your mind. That is Dundee. You, you worry. You, 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 you worry. But that's, that's, that's not a bad place. Not a bad place to be. You know, it means that you're always focused, saying, you know, we've not done anything yet. We've just got to keep keep plodding on. Well, keep. that's it, boys. I'm fired up for the visit of St Myrna on Saturday. I'll take a point, though. <laughs> if you like the podcast, we'd be grateful if you tell your pals about it. Or even better, leave a review or a simple rating on iTunes or wherever you find your podcasts. All that really helps people find Twa Teams One Street, and that means a lot to us. Don't forget to pick up your copy of the telly Monday to Saturday for all the latest from Dens and Tanadice, 